What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game lockdown. Bucks. Frank is up late again. What a great man he is. He even put up with my computer freezing here for 10 minutes, but he had to do it because the Bucks just beat the Sacramento Kings. This was an exciting finish. It was probably closer late in the fourth quarter than you would have been hoping for if you're a Bucks fan, but they're the champs. They closed the game out. They've been winning close games of late. We're going to discuss how they did it. Frank was just tweeting some defensive numbers, which I didn't get a chance to really look into, but I'm curious about. So there's plenty to talk about. The stars were big down the stretch, so let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN and joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, just minutes after the Bucks beat the Kings, 135 to 126. It was a high-scoring game. Uh, the Bucks have had plenty of high-scoring games against the Kings in recent years, uh, it should be said. Before we get into it, uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, whether it's in the audio version, whether it's on YouTube, where we have just flown by 2.5K subs, Frank. Uh, people are enjoying looking at us on YouTube, which is very bizarre. But hey, <laughs> shout out to everyone on YouTube that wants to put themselves through that. We we absolutely respect that. We love that. Uh, we also love this fourth quarter here. The Bucks finished the game on a 9-0 run. There was a series of big shots from both of these teams up until the Bucks were able to get a couple stops, force a couple turnovers from De'Aaron Fox, and ultimately close out this game. You can start wherever you want, Frank, but I will just say... Uh, this was the classic, and I do want to shout out Paul Presley25 on Twitter who tweeted this out because he was exactly right. I was watching this game halfway through the fourth quarter. The Kings are going crazy. The fans are going nuts. They've had a long season, but this would be a big win for them. And I was looking at the Bucks players and not a smile, no look of concern. They're just like, eh, whatever. We'll probably close this game out, and they did. Uh, it's not always easy. Sometimes on a road trip against these teams that aren't having – you know, great seasons and get excited for a potential big win on their behalf. But the champs closed them out. And it is the latest in a number of games where they've been able to get the job done late in the fourth quarter, which is perhaps the more important point. Yeah, I think a recurring theme we've been seeing here for a little while is, especially against a team that maybe isn't the strongest or, you know, a team that you expect to, you know, that you're going to have to really um, dig deep to beat, like the Kings. Um, do the Bucks feel like they can just go out and kind of just outscore them? Yeah, I think they kind of do. And they feel like, hey, if we just really need to buckle down late, do you think we can do that? Yeah, we'll play defense late if we have to, but um, we'll kind of pace ourselves throughout the rest of the game. I think that's been their MO for a little while. Um, And again, that's not obviously the style that you're going to want to take to the playoffs, but as far as managing way through a regular season, yeah, you can get away with it, especially when you execute down the stretch on both ends. And that's something that we've been seeing now repeatedly and it's been really the um the recurring theme here since the two games that they lost to philly and brooklyn which were characterized by not executing down the stretch they have been phenomenal down the stretch of all the games since then 
And obviously the only game they lost was the blowout against the Warriors. But other than that, I mean, they, for the most part, they've, you know, they've been playing good teams. They've had to actually play well in fourth quarters. And um, thankfully the fourth quarter has been a very different story than the third quarter of late. And, um, you know, Drew Holiday was the one guy, the big three who was not having a, a big scoring night. And he comes in and hits a couple of really big threes that, um, you know, the Bucks went down by three on a, on a handful of occasions in the fourth quarter. And it seemed like whenever they did, Drew Holiday was just like, and I'm just going to pull up for a three-pointer and, and bury it. And we even saw Wes Matthews, another couple threes tonight, eight points plus six. He was, again, a key guy in crunch time, three steals um, as the Bucks, I thought, did a nice job of kind of mixing things up, um, showing some extra bodies, the Kings, putting them in some bad spots and forcing turnovers late, which not really it's not really the Bucks' calling card, forcing turnovers, but... You know, um, they've got obviously versatile defenders that they can go to the, in this closing lineup. And on a night when Giannis goes for 36, Drew, uh, Chris goes for 32 points on 20 shots, eight rebounds, eight assists. And Drew also hits 50% from the field and tops 20 points, whatever you have, like 21, I think. Um, and you shoot 18 to 35 from three. Yeah, you should win that game. You score 135 points. Definitely was closer than you would have liked. Um and I definitely had some nervous moments there in the fourth quarter Th- throughout the first, you know, call it 40 some minutes of the game. I was feeling like, eh, th- they'll get it. They'll figure it out. You know, I, I, I wasn't that nervous. But once again, a little bit too much playing with their food, probably. And, uh, you know, ha- but again, superstars delivered or the superstar delivered the stars supported in the way that was needed. And once again, you close out a team that you're supposed to beat down the stretch and you know, again, I, I hesitate to call that like a great win, but uh, to me, all road wins, especially when you're on one of these West Coast, West Coast trips, you don't ask too many questions about how you get them. You just take them and you bank them. And now you're moved to two and one on the road trip. You've got a couple days off um, before facing the Timberwolves, who obviously uh, have already beaten you once this year and have, are having a very good season on Saturday to close out the road trip in an, in an afternoon game. So, um, you know, Hey, they can, they can enjoy, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know where they're going after. I, I assume they're probably staying the night in Sacramento. They can go to Dante DiVincenzo's apartment, uh, you know, have a good time, kind of relax a little bit. And, uh, you know, not, uh, let's just say it probably would have been a long, longer couple of days if they had managed to somehow drop this game, given the way they played for a lot of those first three quarters. But again, grinding out another win, moved to 44 and 26. And, if they can win the next two games, they would actually match the record that they had last year, which I would say 11 games ago, 10 games ago, did not seem like a very likely uh, thing to be hitting when they were, I think, 35 and 25 uh, or 36 and 25. But obviously they've turned things around pretty well since then. And again, just keep on keeping on. 18 games over 500 almost feels hard to believe just based on, it's kind of been obviously a roller coaster season. And yes, if you go on a stretch like this, you will, yeah, your record will start to look pretty good, but 18 games over 500 again is crazy. And based on, and I don't know this for sure, but I think you're right, based on uh, the travel schedule that certainly the Bucks would try and follow when I was over there, I think they might choose to have at least a half a day of sunshine. Uh, who knows? Maybe some pool time tomorrow morning before they head uh, to, to Minnesota. I think that that would be absolutely right, which means that our friend Mitchell Maurer, who was uh, at the game with his son Ollie, uh, maybe tomorrow morning if they go out for breakfast, you never know. You could run into Giannis on the streets of Sacramento. So uh, shout out to Mitchell and, and most importantly, shout out to Ollie for his first live basketball game 
undefeated seeing the Bucks in person. So uh, shout out to those guys. Drew Holiday, you mentioned, yeah, wasn't the the probably the four quarter performance that he's had uh, perhaps more uh, frequently in the last couple of weeks, but he still scored 11 points in the fourth quarter and he just continues to do that. And that's how he got to the 21. Overall, 89 points they got from Giannis, Chris and Drew. So yeah, they've been really leaning on these guys heavily. But I do want to, you already mentioned Wes Matthews, but I do want to shout out the bench a little bit because it has been a talking point through the season. Well, the Bucks aren't getting much offense from the reserves. Worst in the league, they have been or 29-30 for most of, the, most of the season. But Marcus Johnson mentioned it during the broadcast. There was a stretch there where Giannis was getting a breather in the fourth quarter. And it's like, all right, well, we're just going to put Brooke Lopez out on the floor and Bobby Portis is going to go out with him. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, this starts to look like a playoff rotation. Brooke obviously came off the bench, played his 15 minutes again in this one. But you got eight points from Wes, eight from Serge, and even George Hill coming in and playing some of those minutes as well. And all of a sudden, again, hopefully it's the case. We've got an update today to Pat Connaughton and his probably about a week away there or so. So he'll, he'll probably get seven, eight games in before the postseason as well. Um, so everything just starting to look a little more normal, a little more playoff-like, uh, which is which is fun. It's good to see. It's nice when you have the, this rotation where even the bench units, you're like, okay, this is, this is a solid squad. This is what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and I mean, Bud's going to have some interesting decisions once mm-hmm. Pat is back because, uh, you know, I feel like, Right now, he's got 10 guys that that he likes. We saw, um, as far as that, you know, we talk a lot about the big rotation. Uh, tonight, we saw Bobby go to the bench, I think around like the seven or eight minute mark of the first quarter so that they could sort of start to stagger Serge and Brooke and not have Bobby and, and Giannis, you know, overlapping too much because he can't play the other two guys together. Um, in the third quarter, we saw Giannis go to the bench with seven minutes left and then come back um, a few minutes later and go on a big run. So, um, so interesting kind of hint at how they might try to kind of force and, and, and kind of move those pieces around. I still think, you know, you'd expect to see Brooke back in the starting lineup sooner rather than later, but, um, but an interesting kind of look into that. And then, um, you know, uh, obviously Javon Carter has earned his minutes. Um, I'd say Davion Mitchell was the better uh, sort of small defensive point guard tonight. He was really good for the Kings and Dante was also really good. Um, and had, you know, I think Chris was joking that he almost had his revenge game tonight, um, even made a, a layup for a three-point play in the fourth quarter, which felt like, oh, man, things are really kind of going against the Bucs. But, um, but obviously Carter has earned minutes, and Wes Matthews, you know, as, as I said before, actually maybe kind of, sort of, possibly rediscovering his, his three-point shooting stroke a little bit, um, finally seeing some of those go down, and, you know, the defense has been there you know, throughout here over the past few months. So he's definitely a guy that I think you feel good about having as part of that closing group. So we know Pat Connaughton's going to play. Um, you know, where do those minutes come from? You just brought George Hill back. Um, I, I would say probably Javon Carter is the guy who's going to see his minutes cut into. Also, are you really going to play, you know, those four big guys throughout the rest of the regular season? I mean, you gave up real value. I mean, you gave up Dante, who you valued, and again, I know you got a couple picks and you shed some salary along with the, those two roster spots to get him, but you added a ton. I mean, Bucks added a ton. It was, I think it was like nine, 10 million bucks. I'd have to double check in terms of total outlay at the end of the season because of his incremental salary and the tax implications that you're paying a ton of money in addition to the value to have Serge Ibaka on this team. I mean, you know, kind of like we were saying, we didn't really think they were going to use that Dante chip for a center because 
we just didn't know if that guy was even going to play once hopefully Brooke came back. And again, of course, he is still Brooke insurance in case something happens with Brooke. Um, but, you know, again, it puts them in a really interesting spot because are there going to be minutes for Serge Ibaka when, when Pat Connaughton comes back? Is Javon Carter the guy who's not going to play? Is George Hill just not going to play? I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing George Hill just not playing. So um, some very interesting decisions that are going to have to be made. But, hey, we, we've been seeing the Bucks deal with injuries all season. I will happily take the opposite problem of having to find minutes for guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, right? Hopefully, you know, again, I hate to – I have a wood table here. I hate to start, right. you know, kind of counting the the the, the chickens before they hatch, but um, but definitely something to watch. And I think right now you feel pretty good about the group that you have. And you know, I don't really look at anybody that they're playing right now as like, oh, just got to survive these minutes with so and so on the floor, right? I mean, I, I think you've got a really solid, you know, top ten right now, especially from a regular season perspective. No, I think that's right. And I think overall, uh, we are all just happy that the Bucks are healthy. But I like being healthy off the court as well and away from the podcast, Mike, uh, Mike Frank, which is why our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. And that's Athletic Greens. And you might be wondering, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging are all the things you need if you're a basketball fan and the Bucks are playing on the West Coast. So uh, Athletic Greens, some of the things that you need to know about that. It costs less than $3 a day if you're investing in your health, and it's it's cheaper than that cold brew habit that you've got. There's no doubt about that. I know it was a stinking hot day in Milwaukee today, so maybe you were having the cold brew. You should be having Athletic Greens Instead, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty ke- chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. To make it easy, Athletic Greens has given you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast as well. You can get a recap of the night's play. There was plenty of drama, plenty of drama in the T-Wolves and Lakers game. Uh, so you can catch up with all of that on the Locked On Now podcast. Uh, you mentioned Dante DiVincenzo, and I, uh, we should just briefly give him a shout out. He did have 19 points in this game. And I do think that we got the full Dante experience in this game. He started by uh, having a, an interception. A steal went the other way. I'm like, okay, well, that's fitting that that was his first real impact in the game. Knocked down threes. We know he can be a streaky shooter. Uh, He did have that and one, but he also missed another layup right at the rim. And then at a crucial point in the fourth quarter, he dribbled the ball off his own foot and turned the ball over. So, you know, look, everyone knows, I mentioned this in yesterday's podcast. I like Dante. I want him to do well, but uh, there's no doubt uh, the full Dante experience there uh, tonight against the Bucs. The interesting thing about this game, and Giannis really went for a stretch where he was just like, you know what, uh, I've had enough of this. I'm going to try and put this game away. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't actually able to happen, but he took over. He was getting to the rim. Sacramento were getting very, very, very frustrated with some of the calls in this game. The interesting thing is that Giannis had 16 free throws, but Sabonis had 13 of his own. So he spent the night at the free throw line as well. Sabonis has been a guy that's given the Bucs uh, some troubles 
in the past as well. He's just a, he's a weird player. There's not many players like Sabonis out there. Uh, but Giannis tonight, it is fun when he takes over. But that 36 points is going to be handy uh, for the scoring title there. But what, what did you think of Giannis? When you're playing, coming up against a young team, I know Sabonis is obviously a veteran. Rashad Holmes has been around for quite a while. But he actually spent a lot of his time on Metu, who I thought had some decent moments in this game. But when you see Giannis typically against younger players, there was that one drive to the basket where he just shrugged his shoulders. Metu went flying. And it's like, you know, the young guys just don't physically really stand a chance against Giannis. Sorry, I was on mute there. That was a strange play because I don't know how that wasn't an and one call. Right. But then he ends up missing the second free throw and the ball gets tapped back to him and then he immediately lays it in. So it ended up being a three-point play um, anyway. But but yeah, I mean, you know, there were definitely... a a number of kind of weight room moments tonight from Giannis. I thought the first half in particular, I mean, he had 14 points. It wasn't like he was like bad or something, but um, it just didn't feel like he was kind of operating at like, you know, full Giannis power. Um, I, I, know, I don't know if you noticed it, but early in the first quarter, I don't know if it was on a box out or on the previous play, but it looked like he was kind of grabbing his knee at one point, maybe feeling some discomfort. Um, and I was kind of like, Ugh, oh God, like, is this going to be, you know, are we going to get the, DNP knee soreness like next game or you know obviously my first concern was just like that he can keep going in this game but obviously he kind of kept, he kept going through it um but yeah the first first half first half kind of felt like him sort of picking his spots um didn't have any assists in the first half I don't think so it wasn't a big playmaking night for him um and as you said Metu blocked him once um on kind of a a drive and then it's just kind of a weird night like he, he had like a, a play it looked like Sabonis might have fouled him but he kind of missed like a chance to lefty dunk on Metu in the third quarter um and then had like just a weird I think it was early in the fourth um he had a weird like overlay where it looked like he had a wide open layup and he just like it's like he wasn't sure if he was banking it or trying to lay it straight in and he just laid it right over the basket entirely so definitely not like you know a plus sort of Giannis night tonight but you still saw the flashes I mean towards the end of the first quarter first half he decides he's going to go coast to coast and just kind of weaves his way with the defenders, you know, I forget who it was of Sabonis or who it was, but or maybe Trey Lyles, just like he, he, he was trying to run back and he and he looked to one side and then Giannis zagged to the other side. And then he just, you know, threw the down the dunk with his right hand sort of off to his right as though it was just sort of like, you know, an afterthought, just yamming it in transition. Um, so again, Serge just sort Ibaka, of like just, by the way, well, didn't know he was like, what did, what did I just see on this dunk from Giannis? It was a, it was a brilliant reaction. Yeah, he was on the, he was on the bench, right? He was yeah. like he had like a was like oh my god type face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after I mean he had, he did, I don't think I think he had maybe one basket in the first like five minutes, and then goes to the bench as they're trying to again figure out how to get Serge and and Brooke uh, staggered a little bit. And, but then late in the third quarter, you know, Bucks had a good start to the third, and then they let the Kings back into it. It was like all right, here we go, third quarter Bucks again, blah blah blah. Um, and then Giannis kind of said like all right you know, F this, like, I'm going to go to work here and and play some bully ball. Uh, and I think he scored, what, 12 straight points and had 28 points then, you know, goes from 16 to 28 points going into the fourth quarter, um, gets an early layup and then adds, you know, another six down the stretch. And, um, you know, I thought the, the, the other one, I think we need to call out Bucks. Um, as you said, Bucks, it was what, 123, 123. Um, and then just looking at the, uh, the game log, I think, was it, was it West that hit the shot that made it 126 one tree or was it Chris? One of one, one of the, both those guys hit big, big plays or big shots down the stretch. We mentioned Drew hitting and hitting a couple as well, but um, 
I think it, I think it was Chris, right, that hit the go ahead to make it 126, 123. I'm trying to find my play by play, but um, but the Bucks bottom line, Bucks go up by three, and then Giannis backing down goes to the hook shot, which we saw a few times in Utah, and you know again a shot that nobody's uh, nobody's you know contesting with any uh, with any real effectiveness, uh, when he's, when he's backing in and using that length and just drops in right over the top and that gives them the five point lead. And then, you know, what, two more steals, <laughs> two more steals after that. Um, that, that was the ball game. And, um, really the only, the only mistake of, of those last few minutes, I would say Bobby Portis, uh, they break the press there in the last, you know, what was it? 10 or 15 seconds, Bobby Portis, two on one, he's got Giannis running right, right down the middle of the lane. Easiest lob pass Bobby's is ever going to throw in his NBA career. Maybe the only lob pass Bobby Portis could ever throw <laughs> in his NBA career. And instead he hangs on to it, gets fouled. And uh, I think, I don't know if he made both free throws or just one, but a um, little bit like, okay, Bobby, like you're, you're hunting your own stats free throw there. Like just get, give, give Mitchell and, and Ollie and the Bucks fans in Sacramento what they want. Give them the exclamation point. Giannis alley-oop dunk. That was my only complaint. My only note from the fourth quarter, but I do think it was interesting that Bud went to Bobby down the stretch because, you know, especially with Sabonis in the game, um, I'd say we all would feel much better with Serge or Brooke defending uh, Sabonis down the stretch. And I thought an interesting vote of confidence to throw Bobby back in there and give him the chance to, um, to, you know, try to hold his own against Sabonis, which, you know, I thought he was okay. I mean, it, it wasn't like Sabonis was just bullying him all night. Um, you know, I thought, as you said, Simone's probably got some pretty, pretty good whistles, uh, on the night. Um, but, uh, you know, nice that they were able to figure that out. And I think the one advantage, you know, I think the fact that with Bobby there, and I think one thing we should talk about, you know, from a defensive standpoint, it seems like for a large stretch of the season, the bucks were sort of playing, you know, if Bobby was blitzing, then they were mostly blitzing, Right you know, there was that stage when they had Bobby and Boogie and both of them were blitzing, right? And then December. Um, and then they've gone to stages when they've switched everything, right? And they have stages where they've done more dropping, right? We saw, we did see Bobby do a lot of dropping against Bam Adebayo in that Miami game, which worked actually pretty well. But for the most part, that's not really where Bobby's going to stand out because again, he's not that great length and rim protection um, that he brings. But I think one thing we've seen over the past couple of weeks, I mean, the Bucks defense has not been great, but they are playing guys to their strengths, right? So you see Bobby hedging hard, covering back. You see obviously Brooke and Serge doing much more of dropping or playing center field where, you know, you're not coming out really aggressively, but you're hanging back more and making the guard have to make a decision about whether going for the lob or, or a floater. And then Giannis can kind of do a little bit of, of everything. And so I think it's it's good that it seems like the Bucks have finally been, you know, gotten to the point where like, all right, we're, we're we've mastered or gotten comfortable enough with all these different things that we're going to now vary it depending on the personnel we have, depending on the situation. And, you know, I think there's an argument for, uh, I mean, first off, I think you need to give NBA teams different looks, right? If you just do the same thing, every play throughout a 40 minute, eight minute game, NBA teams are really good. They're going to adjust. They're going to do different things. They're going to be able to take advantage of you, no matter how good your individual defensive players are. Um, and so, you know, maybe part of the calculus was, was as well, like, hey, we want to give those Sacramento guards more to think about and make maybe take the ball out of their hands by hedging hard and kind of forcing them to retreat a bit and not just be able to dribble into a floater or dribble in towards, you know, a drive where they can maybe kick it out or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think the, the Bucks pick and roll defense has 
you know, <laughs> that they figured everything out. Um, I think Bud is putting guys in the best situations possible for them for the most part um, with some of the coverages. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously on a night like this, nice to see the fact that they are able to close with Bobby. Um, is that what they're going to do most nights? I don't know. Um, it's nice that Bud's going to have the option to go with Brooke, but obviously tonight went with Bobby. And um, even though Bobby was you know, not a big force offensively, uh, they were able to obviously get the stops and they had the mobility defensively to create some havoc, double the ball, throw some extra bodies, and then force the Kings to make some mistakes. This was the big thing when we go back to a couple of seasons ago when we were going into the playoffs and it's like, well, we just haven't really seen the Bucks do anything else. What happens if Brook Lopez is off the floor? Well, I guess we'll bring in Marvin Williams, but he's also going to be playing drop. You know, like this this is what the conversations that we were having on this podcast as we went to the playoffs we saw last year that lineup versatility and being able to do some different things. Clearly, something you need if you want to have a, a long playoff run. By the way, uh, after tonight, Joel Embiid is at 29.9 points per game and Giannis is at 29.8. Uh, but you can check out you can bet on the, the scoring title if you want at betonline.net. You can check all the latest odds, contests, and player props. Betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Uh, obviously, college basketball uh, tournaments is underway. Apparently, there was some crazy stuff going on tonight. Of course, I was watching the Bucks game. But BetOnline, you can uh, find all the scores, the podcasts, and the news this season. And it's not just basketball, though. Baseball's coming back. Football will be back here uh, before we know it. Vegas Casino Games, it's all there. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's been online where the game starts. I did find it interesting tonight, and you spoke about the defense, and you know it's interesting with Brook Lopez. Uh, Alvin Gentry has been the number one man for a number of years now, uh, publicly calling out Brook Lopez's defense as very, very illegal. Let's just say that. Uh, and yeah, I remember being there at, at a press conference pregame when he really went on about it. Then Eric wrote a, you know, a great story that I believe that he retweeted tonight as well. So if you haven't read it, you can go back and read it. But I remember being at that press conference and, and Gentry, and it was almost like, and, and at that time they had Anthony Davis. I mean, the team was like decent. And I, and I think, oh, he was, he was at New Orleans, sorry, I should say. So I believe at that point, you know, he was trying to really call on the officials to, to look at Brook Lopez, but as the story that Eric did with Brooke really perfectly outlines is that even though you may think that he's skirting around the rules, they can't really call three seconds of him. And I tweeted a clip from the game tonight. And I think that when you look at Brook Lopez and if you just spend possessions watching his positioning, what he does, where he goes, who he touches, uh, it, it's it's honestly quite masterful. And I think that this is the biggest addition, even with Serge Barker, who we do think is, is obviously a better rim protector than than Bobby. And I guess historically he's a better defender than Bobby Portis, no doubt. But Brooke Lopez still feels he's coming to this team. And I was watching him on a few possessions tonight where he's just completely in control in the right position. Even if he is backing back under the rim, he will be able to still uh, c- contest that, that floater and then get, uh, and then box out for the rebound as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I think overall most Bucks fans with Brooke Lopez in the floor just feel a, a higher level of comfort about what this team can potentially do defensively. But tonight it was a 116 defensive rating and you did tweet out this chart. And I think it was just to do with open threes uh, from the opposition. And we always come back to this. And I know some people don't like it when you talk about luck and you talk about percentages and all this sort of stuff. But what did you see in, in regards to opposition and, and wide open three point shots? 
Yeah, so I was I was actually I was on Real GM and someone was like, I, I saw some some posts about somebody um, saying like, well, it's obvious because the Bucks defense has gotten worse because, and I forget the logic they were was it they're saying oh that because they're playing more drop now and that's like, oh well now they're playing more drop so their their defense is worse and it's just like, I mean first off there's like, you know a lot of things happen over the course of the season the Bucks had a really easy schedule. The first couple months, we've talked about obviously the uh, the schedule of the last month in particular has been a lot harder. So I mean, you expect the defensive rating to be worse just because of the level of qu- the quality of the opponent that you're playing against. Um, but one thing I always do when, whenever I'm looking at like lineup data, I always take a look at the opponent shooting numbers, the opponent three point percentages in particular, because if it's like really high or really low, then I'm, I always sort of take a note, like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, take that with a grain of salt or, you know, if you're a great defense and you're allowing 40% opponent three point shooting, like, oh, wow. Like then you're doing everything else. Right. Um, but so I, I just wanted to look at it because we talk a lot about opponent three point percentage, but truly the best measure of luck is wide open three point percentage. Right. Because you know, th- th- there's, there's really not anything the defense can do um, you could say, like, oh, well, you're allowing the worst guys to to shoot more open threes, right? And I think there was some discussion a few years ago when the Bucks defense was kind of first breaking in and, you know, playing at this really high level that they tended to give up wide open threes to, like, big guys and guys that maybe aren't as good. So maybe there was a little bit of tactical um, acumen to to the, the lower three-point percentage that they allowed. But last year, they had really bad three-point percentage luck, and they were still, you know, whatever it was, 10th or something in defense. This year, they had great defensive, th- great three-point luck through the first couple months, and now it's kind of really worked against them. Now, I think that last time I checked cleaning glass, they were about like average in terms of opponent three-point percentage. So a lot of it's kind of worked back, and, you know, there's not like some huge variance. But if you look at wide open three-point percentage allowed, um, there's been a lot of swing. And they're still, I think, like top five in terms of um, opponent three-point percentage. So they still have been somewhat lucky there. I think they're like 35.5% this year. I think they're around 40% last year, which, you know, again, when you give up 43-pointers a game, if you're talking about a 5%, you know, swing, you know, that that's that's real. Like that's two th- more three-pointers per game. That's six, po- six points, right? And yeah, it's not exactly six points because if you miss, you can still get an offensive rebound, blah blah blah. But, um, but those are that's you know those are real swings. And so I just wanted to kind of look at you know the wide open three point percentage over the course of the season. And sure enough, you see it. I think it was November. They're like at thirty percent allowed. Um, and the last two months, it's been like 42 percent wide open three point percentage allowed. Even though they've actually been allowing fewer opponent wide open three pointers. So you'd say, well the silver lining is here. You're allowing fewer wide open threes. That's good. Normally the bucks are on like 20 wide open threes per game allowed last couple of months. They've been, I don't think we're more like, like 18 or so, but teams are making, you know, them at a really high rate. And so overall I'd say, you say, well, look, it, it all comes out in the wash over the course of a season. You know, maybe you're playing better teams. So they're, you know, more skillful team shooting. It's just kind of the way it's going to work out. But, um, but again, I would say like, you know, I, I kind of looked at it. Right. And look, there's the whole thing of correlation causation. You don't want to like say, oh, all the Bucks' defensive issues have been just because of bad luck or something like that. But you know, if you do just those two numbers, the defensive rating and you do the wide open three point percentage allowed, the correlation between those is like 0.9, right? So it's like they've moved in lockstep more or less over the course of the six months of the season. And so yes, there are absolutely other things at play. But given that you've had mostly a lot of roster stability, you know, you haven't had Brooke Lopez basically all year. 
and you've had intermittent losses of like Drew and, and Chris and Giannis over the course of the season, but you haven't had wild irregularity in terms of your roster. Um, I think it's pretty telling that those two things are so closely correlated. And so again, I get it. Everybody wants to say that it's because this or that, whatever. I'd say the two obvious things, you know, when you look at the defense, one opponents just been a harder schedule and two teams are just making more threes and you know, those wide open threes, again, maybe it was going in your favor early in the season. Now it's going against you. And that's just kind of the way things go. Um, so it's not to say the bucks can't get better because I would say, even if you regress them to the mean, they're not where they want to be. They still have a defensive rating that is not great. Um, but again, just in terms of like thinking that like, oh, they were good early in the season. Like, no, nah, they've, they haven't been great all year long. And we've talked about the distribution as well, you know, compared to last year and certainly compared to a couple of years ago, they're allowing more threes and marginally more uh, shots at the rim as well. And perhaps most importantly, a higher percentage allowed at the rim. And that's been probably the, another big issue since the all-star break is just the, the field goal percentage allowed at the rim, which again, hopefully that will start to get better here. Now that the fact that you are playing so big, you know, only logical that you'd have a little more luck there. But other thing too is, this, I think it's Kevin Pelton tweeted. This is like the best offensive month in like, I don't know if it's history or like forever, nice. basically. Nice. So team, you know, it's not just individual. We've seen some monster individual scoring games. It's also just teams are scoring at a super high rate. Now bucks are obviously one of those. And again, it's just, it, it has never been harder to be an NBA defense. And obviously the bucks have been able to figure it out when they have needed to late in games here, obviously last year during the playoffs. Um, but uh, still, I would say a work in progress. Yeah, the Bucks right now fourth in offense. They're fourteenth in defense, uh, and then uh, net rating they're seventh. But yeah, no doubt individually, there's been some ridiculous numbers. Uh, make sure you check out the Locked On NBA podcast, the national podcast on the network. Especially make sure you do that on Friday because we have got a huge slate of NBA basketball coming up today. One game, the Detroit Pistons versus the Orlando Magic. Can I can I just like what is that because it's the first day of the tournament or something like that? Why is there one game and why is it Detroit and Orlando? That is disgusting, Frank. That's a white flag. <laughs> that is a that is a television white flag if I ever saw one. Yeah, I think so. Very strange. I thought my app was glitching. But anyway, the Bucks have got two days off. Uh they're 44 and 26 now. Uh, as we already mentioned, still a couple games back of Miami. Pretty good feedback from the podcast we had yesterday in terms of what you think the Bucks should do. And I will say most Bucks fans are just like, screw it. We are the champs. We will beat anyone, anywhere. I don't care. Which, by the way, I really respect that uh, that type of attitude. So uh, we'll leave it there. We'll have another podcast tomorrow. Go ahead. Go I, ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I would just say that. I mean, like, especially right now, like, again, we're getting close to the end of the season, but it's so congested in terms of the standings. It's really hard to like game this system at this yeah, point. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the last weekend of the season, right, where teams might rest anyway, that's where I think, you know, you'll, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think the Sixers, I was looking at there's, I think they end on a back-to-back, um, you know, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, um, they, they could, you know, all these teams could very easily argue like, well, we're trying to rest our guys. Like we're not worried about mm-hmm. seeding, blah, blah, blah. Right. Sort of couch the sort of playoff seed tanking that way. Um, but as, as you guys talked about, as we've talked about, you know, I don't think the bucks are going to really change the way that they attack this. I think there's, I think they're going to put their health first. Right. I think you're going to see probably some resting here um, over the next week. They actually have it 
a, a very nice schedule as far as obviously the two days off here before the Saturday game. Then they have another two days off before they play the Bulls on Tuesday at home. So um, so the, the resting is not an issue here in the short term. But at some point, you know, I think they will try to figure out how they keep those guys fresh. Um, and the other kind of complicating component, too, is and you guys touched on it, but, you know, it's one thing if you try to game it when under the old system where you knew that the team finishing seventh is going to play the two and the team that finishes first will play the eight. We don't know what's going to happen, right? With the play-in tournament now, um, especially if Toronto is the seven seed and if Brooklyn is the eight seed, they lost on a uh, near buzzer beater to Spencer Dinwiddie tonight against the Mavs. Um, you know, going into Toronto is obviously extra interesting if the uh, if the Nets end up in the eight spot with Toronto seven, because obviously Kyrie is not going to be able to play in Toronto due to the COVID restrictions there. And I don't, I haven't gotten the sense that there's any foreseeable scenario where those would get relaxed um, ahead of the playoffs. Obviously, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, officials in Toronto are begging the NBA to, or are begging the, uh, you know, provincial whoever's, or I don't know if it's, I don't even know if it's a, a national thing or what, but um, I don't think, uh, you know, any basketball people are begging them to relax that given the real only impact would be on Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so we, we obviously understand why there's a lot of pressure happening in New York right now. But um, hey, KD versus the Raptors in a one game playoff for the seven seed uh, in Toronto. I'd still feel pretty good if you're Kevin Durant, but, you know, it's probably kind of a toss up at that point. Um, so, you know, again, like you try to game the system. Who knows what happens? And, um, you know, I mean, you look like right behind you. I mean, the Celtics blew out the Warriors tonight in, in uh, I was going to say Oakland, not Oakland, in the <laughs> Bay Area. Um, so they're still only two losses back. Uh, the Bulls obviously have been fading a little bit. They lost again. Um, they're also now two losses back um, and kind of percentage points behind the Celtics. So it seems like, you know, I, I would say you know, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, you know, seem like the group that's going to be somewhere in that two to four range. I was looking at the basketball reference projections. They actually have the Bucks as the favorites um, to to finish in the two spot, which is interesting given the schedule that we've talked about has been difficult for the Bucks, but it's actually, I think they have the fourth hardest schedule now in the, in the East behind um, Boston, uh, Chicago, Boston, and I think uh, Charlotte, I think, was the other one. So um, playing all these road games against good teams um, has obviously uh, gotten a lot of the way. So, um, so yeah, I mean, right now, we'll see what happens. They have, you know, some really difficult games coming up. I would not be surprised if the Bucks drop to fourth. I would be surprised if they drop to fifth, just because that, I think, would mean that you're dropping um, behind the Bulls, which I just, again, they have two games left against them. I, I just feel like the Bulls probably are, just not in as good a place right now, but, um, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think you're super worried if you're the bucks in any of those slots, if you're the three and you're playing like Cleveland or potentially Toronto, cause that's the other thing too. Toronto is now only a half game back of the Cavs who lost tonight to the Sixers. So very possible that Cleveland is now that seven seed. Um, so, um, so yeah, still, still a lot of time left in terms of playoff positioning. Well, uh, we're all up to date now. Uh, that's, that's for sure, Frank. 
I thought you were. I thought you were going to make it. And and by the way, we've been podcasting for long enough for me to know this. But I thought you were just going to cut in with one little quick point here, and then you basically went through every possible scenario. I, I was going. Point. I was going all through the the playoff probabilities um, uh, we on, on basketball reference today. So I'm going to brain dump that since I'm not going to pod anymore this week. No, no, no. We love it, uh, but we will podcast tomorrow. Someone will podcast tomorrow. I'll be talking tomorrow. I'm not. I'm, not I'm going to try to go to sleep before. 1230 at night yeah good call good call but the good news is this final road game even though it's a more friendly uh time zone for everyone living in milwaukee anyway uh it's an afternoon game saturday i guess it's 4 p.m it's a it's a weird time slot for that game against the wolves there but obviously we'll wrap that up next week we'll be back tomorrow we'll leave it there frank myself catch you guys tomorrow